welcome to Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. I'm Kerry, your host and founder of Red Lips and Stilettos. Here we are removing the competitive gap and giving you as the beauty professional a voice to be heard within our industry. This is a platform created and dedicated to the beauty industry professionals, giving you new ideas, possibilities and options to consider for your career. We serve to help connect you to the beauty professionals who have already been there, done that, and experienced a world and more of what our professional beauty industry has to offer. Starting a beauty business, making that business a huge success, to working in a spa on a cruise ship. You name it, we'll be talking about it right here. This is Red Lips and Stilettos. Our guest today is Marisa Dimitridis. Marisa started her career in this industry at age 19. After three short years, her abilities, attitude and fortitude catapulted her to management and onto heading up the skincare division for a large professional beauty brand distributor. She was instrumental in the division, seeing turnover tripled in two years and doubled again after another two years. All this before age 25. This experience was the catalyst that led her to launch her first solely owned venture, Spa Consultants, answering a need in the market for a turnkey consultancy to drive spa projects from the ground up. Today, they have successfully managed over 60 contracts in this space. The next venture to be added to the portfolio was Naturally Brand Development. Marisa formulated her own skincare range, Six, and body range, Sparlicious, using only the best ingredients, recyclable packaging, offering value for money, and very importantly, product education. The onset of a global pandemic did not deter Marisa. This drove her to launch an online retail platform, Send Me That, for spas and salons, offering a full dropship service for their clients and a way to remain profitable during lockdown. This brings us 360 to Marisa's latest project, Spa Professionals Guild, is a global online platform for ongoing businesses, coaching, and transformational management courses. The platform offers networking, bi-monthly group coaching sessions, templates, spreadsheets, and systems of best practices that have been perfected over the last 20 years to help business owners run profitable and sustainable businesses and offers therapists an opportunity for growth, increased income, and to be considered for own promotion. Since launching in July 2020, it has attracted members from 15 different countries and is growing weekly. Marisa has been nominated for and won numerous industry awards such as Spa Ambassador, Entrepreneur Awards, Women in Business, and many, many more. Her motto for 2020 has been to remain obsessed, and we can certainly see she lives up to that. Welcome to the podcast, Marisa. Hi, Marisa. Thank you so much for joining us on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast today. It's lovely to be here. Um, Marisa, you have accomplished so much, um, but before we get into everything that you have accomplished, can you take us right back to the beginning of how did you enter into the beauty industry? Okay, so it's quite an interesting story. Um, my dream was to become an attorney, and I started in my first year at Varsity, and in order to be able to pay for my car that my dad had um, bought me and also just to be able to pay my way you know going out and things like that I decided to get a part-time job um, and I landed up as a receptionist 
for a cosmetics company. And um, and that was and that's where the story begins and ends, really, because I fell in love with the industry so much from that job that at um, around September of that year, just before my my final exams for first year, I said to my dad, um, I think I've made a mistake in um, career choice and I want to change. And he asked me if I was sure. And I said to him that I actually knew in month three of my job that the beauty industry is where I wanted to be. And I just gave it six, six months to make sure that I wasn't going to go and ask him and make this hectic mistake. And um, yeah, that was it. I completed my first year and then I obviously dropped out. And then I started um, growing in my position in that company where eventually I landed up um, being the marketing director. It was actually quite an amazing um, role that I had. And I got a huge amount of experience because it was a tiny company. It was three guys that decided to bring this brand um, into the country and they were guys. So for me, it was brilliant because now I could, I brought to the party what they didn't have, which was a woman's perspective on, on beauty and, and products and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, and that's it. I mean, and then in, in that time, I decided that I was going to obviously need to study a few things to be able to, for me to be able to talk to my target market correctly. So I managed to do a beauty therapy diploma. So I got my full qualification there just so that I could understand my client. Then I got a um, business management diploma as well because I very quickly realized that I was definitely going to be on the business side of the beauty industry and not on, I wasn't going to be a beauty therapist or own a salon or anything like that. And then not long after that, I got an interior design diploma because I somehow just had this knack for building um, spa spaces. So I just thought, well, let me just get a little bit more proper qualified in that avenue. Yeah, and that's it. And then one thing led to another. I got another job in um, five years later in another massive cosmetics company. And they did both hair care and skin care and nails. So, yeah, I was there for five years as well, and that gave me another entire scope of experience because I started going to work in their laboratories. I managed to, wow, I actually can't tell you how much experience I got at that company. And then after those two jobs, I left and went on my own. I can just imagine um, how incredible that journey has been for you and I mean if you go back to when you were um, dropping out of university in your first year how much even though you knew that this is what you needed to be doing it, it was very brave of you to you know to make that decision and believe in yourself yeah it was it was especially when my dad said to me are you sure and I had my heart set on um, being an attorney from like the age of nine, I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids that changed, you know, normally children go, I want to be a teacher, then I want to be a this, then I want to be a that. I yeah. was like, from about nine years old, I was, I think it was LA Law in those days that was showing on TV and I used to watch it with my mom and I was pretty determined. So it was, it was definitely a big thing for me because that was my dream, you know, anyway, it's okay. Yeah. 
Well, congratulations. Congratulations on, on everything that you, you have achieved. But just before we go on to, you know, what you're doing now, yes. um, just talking about, about that experience. I mean, it was before you were 25 years old that you had become a marketing director of that, that company. Is that correct? Uh, yes, before 25, yeah. Because I started there when I was 19 years old. Um, I think it was three years later. And like I said, I mean, titles don't really mean anything because it was such a small company. It was the three guys and myself. Um, but I think I was 23 when the guy said to me, listen, do you want to join us as a director? And I could take over the, the marketing division. And I said, for sure, I'd love it. Yeah. And did you ever feel that, um, I don't know if you've heard the term imposter syndrome. Did you ever feel that like oh my goodness <laughs> can I do it um, or did you ever have that doubt that self-doubt so uh, self-doubt isn't a natural part of my personality <laughs> um that even when I probably cannot do something um and I'll give you a silly little example but I've been wanting to do Ironman for as long as I can remember you know that Ironman race yes of course. And, okay <laughs> so now I have no self-doubt issues in myself because I really believe in my head that I can do it um however my body has told me otherwise so yeah I, I never had that it just my problem is that I think I can do anything and everything maybe it's not a problem actually yeah. but anyway <laughs> no I think I think that is incredible um and just speaking to our listeners um I think you are very unique in that because I do think naturally self-doubt is something that we or we question ourselves we question if we're doing the right thing um what would your advice be to someone who is maybe like that if I think about my experiences I think they need to give themselves some time so for example um when I wanted to go into the industry for me it was something that happened instantaneously that pulled towards the industry but I, I decided, well, let me give this six months and see if, you know, if this is for me really. Um, before I went on my own, um, I mean, I had a really cushy job with um, a great salary. I traveled the world. Uh, I didn't have to worry about paying staff and things like that. And um, again, that was, uh, I, I actually waited a year. It was a year's decision that I made. And what I did in that one year is that I started dabbling in all areas that I would face as a business owner or in the specific business that I wanted to go into. So for me, it's don't be the advice I would give somebody is, is don't be hasty about um, the decision, number one. And give it some time, and and then dabble. Start get, speaking to people that are in the field that you want to go to. Um, find a mentor. That's very important because I had two of them actually, um, and and they will very quickly guide you and say to you, listen, okay, this looks like it could be a strength for you or whatever. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be my. Those would be my words. Thank you. Pleasure. And. From, from um, you know, working at that company in the beginning to then starting, it was the Spark Consultants that yes. you started. Yes. How did you make that move? So um, that, that's the move that got me started with Spa Design. So what happened is in the company I was before that, 
um, for some odd reason, I have no idea why, I started giving my clients who were stockists of the products I represented at that time, I started giving them design advice um, about where to position a bed, a treatment bed properly, um, you know, where the head should face away from the door, towards the door, just things like that. And it sort of came naturally to me. And I thought, wow. And at the time, there was only one other company that was doing spa design or spa consulting, if you want to call it that, at the time. So um, yeah. I was very close friends with a lady who owns that company because she is still going today as well. And I used to chat to her all the time. I used to um, say to her, um, this is something that I'm looking at going into. Um, you know, you're the only one who does it. And I think it will be nice um, if I'm like a smaller representation because she really, she's got, she had a big company. She still does. And um, yeah, I just, um, that's how I made the move, I suppose. I, it came to me naturally. And then I thought, well, this is something that I'd love to to dabble in and then yeah I mean that was a nice dabbling because I learned a lot and I designed a lot of spas I suppose. And how long did it take you before you started getting your first couple of deals? Um, so I had left the company in the June and by the November of that same year I got a massive massive um, contract it was my first spa um, it's at Eagle Canyon Golf Estate and it was huge and um, yeah, that was the very first one that I designed from the floor up, actually. Do you remember getting that deal, how you felt? I do. I felt like, <laughs> I felt, I don't know, I just felt amazing and reassured that, yes, actually, I can do this. So it was great. You are like a superwoman. <laughs> you need like a cape and everything. <laughs> I like to, the problem is I get, no, I don't get bored. I like what keeps me going is doing a lot of things at once. So I'm the kind of person that works on my computer and I cannot sit for longer than 10 minutes and I need to do something just to give my my brain a change of what it's doing and then I go back to it. And So I suppose I'm like yeah. that with the business as well, I guess. And so with the Spark Consultants, how long did you do, were you doing that for until you, you realized that you wanted to actually start your own um, product range? So it was because of the consulting that I actually started um, the two brands. I think, um, I'm not sure I would do it over again. Um, I mean, the brands are now established and they're gorgeous and, and I can't turn back, let's put it that way. But the amount of work that goes into developing formulas, I think um, people think it's easy because I do have a lot of clients that I deal with uh, on the consulting side. And when I design their spas, they always want their own brand. And I'm always saying to them, listen, this is not a good idea. You've got no idea what you're getting yourself into. But um, because of the consulting, these spas that I was busy designing and some of them just doing business um, I was helping them with their business systems and operations is I realized there was a huge gap in the market it's same thing with a with a spa design and I thought flip if I don't take this gap in the market somebody else is going to take it um, and obviously I knew that it would be a matter of time before a lot of brands do get launched because that's just how it happens I suppose um, but at the time there was only two brands that were um, there might have been more, but let's say there were two major brands that were locally manufactured 
and skincare ones and there were no body brands at the time local ones at all I mean today there is quite a few and that's what made me decide you know what I I better do this but of course I wanted to do it different and right and so it was a massive that was a massive undertaking Um, it still is because uh, product development is my main portfolio within that business and of course I'm always on the hunt for new formulas exciting new treatments new machinery you know all that kind of stuff um you're one of those people that when you're doing something you can easily see the gaps in the market and what what is missing um and I think that is that is obviously clear with with what you have done and with, with creating a product, I mean, I know um, a few other ladies and, and men who have also like launched a product range, if it's makeup, skincare, whatever. And they say the exact same thing as you, that it's not as easy as one may think. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that happens behind the yep. scenes. With the um, keeping up with the trends and making sure that you're bringing like the most innovative and um, you know, new technology into, into South Africa, did you find that quite challenging? To, you know, to keep up with all the trends that are changing? Um, it's very, very challenging. And especially because I'm not part of a, like one of these big multinational companies, you know, they, they've got unlimited um, budgets for product development. So it is very challenging. Um, but again, a lot of it comes to talking to my clients who are salon owners and beauty therapists and also talking to consumers I mean I'm with just in my circle of friends I'm always on top of okay what are they using what do they need I listen when they talk about their skin and their kids skin and um, so I'm sort of very in tune with with what should I suppose what what people need and then I I'm fortunate enough that we can move pretty fast because we have um, various formulators, not just one. So if the one guy's too busy, then I put it into the hands of the other one. And we can sort of get a product to market within about six months from from testing, stability testing. And do you find with, with the spa consultants and then with Sparlicious mm-hmm. um, and then with what else you've created, do you find to keep balance and to give each company the right amount of attention, do you find that quite yes, challenging? That, that is um, probably right now as we speak, my biggest challenge and um, purely because Spa Professionals Guild um, is taking up a considerable amount of time and um, but at the same time uh, we've had such a big um, jump in sales on our brands and I suppose because of post-COVID people are wanting to support local and then our pricing is unbelievable so at the moment both of those businesses are completely chewing up my time but I am working on it because I've now started time blocking which helps me a lot and when I allocate two hours of time to one specific um, company I sort of stick to it and I stay in in that space for those two hours let's talk spa professionals guild um okay who who is it for so it is for anybody in the beauty hair nails so I call it beauty but it encompasses all of us so hair and nails industry and that are either already owners and managers or that would like to go into a management role 
because there are a lot of therapists that want to be managers. They don't, I mean, they've got a, a good uh, natural business ability, um, but they need to get, obviously, most of them in the past have never been able to train for a management role. They've, you know, the owner will just put somebody into that position because they can see great potential in them. Um, so that's, that's who it's for. And um, how can it benefit those modalities? So what happens in our industry, what has happened, is there's two types of people that will own a salon or a spa. It's either an investor, so it's a business person, right? Um, Or it is a therapist or a hairstylist or a nail technician that has decided, okay, I'm done with working for a boss now, I want to open my own business. Both cases, so let's look at the therapist first, therapist, hairstylist, they are not um, skilled or trained in business, how to manage staff, how to uh, read a profit and loss and an income statement and balance sheets. They don't know any of that because they've just never been trained in it. So that's where what we are bringing to them now is we take them, we basically do I would, I would compare it because I've done it in the past. Is I, I did my business management diploma through Damlin, and I would basically compare it to that. But it is completely and specifically everything that you get is about our industry. So it's not a generic, um, uh, dip, uh, not a generic course. Yeah, I, I completely see. Um... Where, where you've come from with creating spa professional skills because um, I'm actually a beauty therapist by trade. Uh, that's what I studied um, when I finished school. And I did my two-year diploma and I've actually spent the last couple of years working on the cruise ships. Um, but, but it's exactly that is you, you learn the skill of actually doing the treatment, um, but you don't learn the business side of the industry. You don't actually, and with what I've been um, doing this year is actually teaching beauty professionals how to sell retail products because that was something that they just don't teach you. Uh, no one actually, they teach you, if you buy a sales book, it's like you said, it's very generic, um, but it's not specifically for the beauty industry. So yeah, I completely, um, I think with what you've created in the Spa Professionals Guild, it is such a need um, in our industry because they teach you the practical skill on how to do a facial and how to do a manicure, et cetera. But they don't teach you the business side um, of, of the industry. And I, oh, I think yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I really think it's a needed, needed um, aspect of the industry that you've tapped into. Yeah, I also, that's why I realized, and this has been in the pipeline for the last two years, and um, because I can see that dealing with these um, salon owners um, and even the investors, you know, they've got a natural knack for business, but they don't understand our industry. And that's, that's how the course or the, you know, belonging to the guild uh, can benefit them because now they have access to this um, global platform of uh, like-minded professionals where we can share best practices and experiences and all those kind of things. So, yeah. That, that is incredible. And um, if, if we have a beauty professional listening to this or a salon manager, um, how can they become a part of it? So it's pretty simple. We have a website that's up and running. 
Um, it's www.sparprofessionalsguild.com. So it's the name, .com. And um, I mean, that site is so easy to navigate at the moment. So there are so many also different tiers of memberships that we have available. And, um, you know, you basically go and you navigate on there. And then they sign up um, as a member. You, they sign, you can sign up once and you can upgrade or downgrade your membership or cancel it whenever you want. And, um, yeah, the, the different tiers of memberships get you access to different, uh, if I can call it, levels of interaction with either the business coach or with different types of courses or, um, you know, even um, courses that are linked, if I can call them that. So, like, we have a communications course that is run by somebody else. Um, so, it's like a partner course. Okay. So it's, all, it's all there on the website, all of it. Awesome. So, I will make sure that the website um, link is in the description of the podcast um, for our listeners to to find. And from starting a business to owning an up and running profitable business, there's a lot that happens in between. How do you consistently and repetitively go from having that initial idea to taking the necessary action to once again executing another successful venture? Um, trying to think how to answer that because a lot of, with me personally and specifically, it, it, my, my gut and my, my feeling of things takes over. So, um, I quickly pick up on where something is lacking, where something is short. Um, like for example, with, um, the six, uh, skincare brand, we needed to upgrade our look and feel to fit the marketplace better. And that wasn't something that, um, it's not something that you taught. It's either, you know, I just had this feeling. I thought, okay, this is, this is where the marketplace looks like it's headed. And, and then, I mean, so far I've been lucky with most of the decisions I make because um, the rebranding took our products and our brand to another level, really. Yeah. So you trust your intuition? I think so, yeah. And then I also just um, run a lot of things. My, my husband is also in the same industry um, and I, I run a lot of things by him. So, you know, he's he's quite amazing because he sees it from a numbers perspective. I'm not a numbers person. So, um, I don't know. I suppose men think, and uh, they're obviously not, they obviously think different to women, but he just, uh, you know, he'll look at things and ask me things from a completely different perspective. So I tap into to his brain a lot, actually. Yeah. It's um, quite helpful to have a sounding board someone you can trust who is yes. like that yes, because it also helps you to step out of your mind and the way that you think to see it from a different perspective. Totally. Totally. And um, with the, with 2020 and obviously the impact that COVID has had on this year, yes. um, what is your advice to um, beauty professionals, uh, owners, managers, um, to you know, to just keep to keep staying in there. 
so I think I've got like different advice to the different um, areas that you were speaking of. So for me, if you're a therapist, a beauty therapist out there or a hairstylist, my advice to you right now would be hold on to your job for dear life and, and, and make it work for you. Um, because there are hundreds of unemployed therapists out there at the moment. And until we pick up again, because, I mean, the whole world has uh, pressed a, a reset button. And um, until, you know, the, everything picks up again and people start opening up businesses again and things like that, um, you know, it's, not, it's definitely not the time to be complaining about working hours or, I don't know, wanting more commission, just the things that I'm hearing out there at the moment. I think my advice is hold on to your job. And if there ever were a time to work like a donkey, if I can describe it that way, and put your all into what you're doing and um, do it better than, than what is expected of you, it would be now. Um, I think if the, my recommendation to owners and managers out there is um, to, to do some scenario planning, which is something that our industry has never done. And, um, you know, I think this year caught everybody by surprise because nobody had ever thought about a scenario like that. And if it's definitely taught me something in my business is that um, it's very difficult to plan for things like that. But if you put different scenarios and, and you do like a whole um, session with your team and, you know, or with other people in the industry about scenario planning, we can be better prepared for things that come our way um, to survive them a little bit better because, you know, being caught by, by surprise I think is what what uh, put a lot of people into trouble this year. And then also yeah. to to not stop growing and learning and embracing the new not not that it's a 2020 thing, but business is continuously evolving and changing and I'm finding that salon owners and managers they get stuck in a specific way of doing things and never ever do they dabble or try different things? And I, I would recommend that you don't know until you try. And sometimes just opening up your mindset a little bit to, okay, let me try and do it this way and see what happens, uh, could lead them down paths that they might enjoy better than the path that they could be on right now. Yeah. Um, and your advice to any of those professionals who um, are unemployed at the moment, Jeez. what would your advice be to them? I know it's a hard question. So uh, my advice, I'm trying to think what I would tell them. A is to not give up, obviously. I mean, you just don't give up. So keep looking. Um, B, it would be, it is a bit of a difficult one, but I think that it is a, it is a possible um, short-term solution is to try and set up a tiny little mobile uh, service because uh, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to go to salon still. They want people now to come to them. That seems to have been quite a, a shift in the industry through through COVID. It's, it's really difficult to, to set up mobile, especially if somebody doesn't know you. 
you know, but I do think that they can tap into maybe their circle first or people that they know or clients that they know that they had, um, you know, and just start growing from there. But I think to to sit down and do nothing is not an option. I think that they 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 need to just keep persevering and also not be picky and choosy about the jobs that do come their way. So if there's a contract for a weekend or um, you know, a salon's giving a contract to anybody who wants to work night shifts or whatever. At this point in time, I would take anything. You know, that's what I would say to them. Just take whatever you can take, gain the experience and grow from there. And the right job will come at some point in time. And also to put their CVs in order because, I mean, my word, some of these therapist CVs are, are, I don't know, they're not CVs. I don't even know what to call them. Um, And get them with, with as many recruiters as they possibly can. Yeah. And what, um, with, with the CVs that you've had a look at, uh, what would your, say, top three tips be on just polishing up your CV to make it presentable? I think one is definitely include a, a recent photograph uh, and take the time to make yourself look like the position that you're applying for. So if you're applying for a beauty therapist position, you better look gorgeous in that photo. And if you're applying for a hairstylist position, your hair better look amazing in that photo. Um, So that is very important because the photos that I get are ridiculous. And um, secondly is to get as many reference letters as they possibly can. That is very, very important because um, um, I think the the salon owners, yes, they want to see the qualification, but I think what's more important to them is where has this person worked and what has their previous employer um, thought of them? Yeah. So that's, no, that, that's, that's really good advice. Yeah, that's um, the second tip. Um, I'm just trying to think what else. And then the third one, is to not attach 5,000 diplomas uh, to the CV. Um, You know, you could say what the qualifications are and say certificates available on request. I know it irritates me to no end um, when I get a CV and it's 40 pages long and 30 of those pages are certificates. And it's like product house certificates. You know, like I really don't care. Yeah, I think that's really, those, those three pieces of advice are really good advice. You think that it's quite obvious though. <laughs> it is, but not, <laughs> not shame. I, I don't even know if these poor people know how to put a CV together. So, you know, that's the next challenge, I suppose. But I think that also goes back to with what we're talking about is it's, it's things that you aren't actually taught. Yes. Um, these are things that you either have to learn the hard way or you have to really do your own research and educate yourself um, on what is expected or, you know, what, how to do it. Yes, yes. Um, so, so, yeah. And Marisa, what is next for you? Um, oh, my hat. Sure. <laughs> I have so much on my plate at the moment. I think, you know, there, there's a few things. Um, so... The most important from the different businesses. So Spa Professionals Guild is, I want um, 
you know, I've got like benchmarks that or, or goals that that are set for us. So like our first goal is to get to 100 members, which we're not far off from there. Um, so that's one goal. Um, and then I also want to reach 100 different countries because we're on 17 countries. So that for me is a big goal. Um, and to continuously be upgrading and offering a valuable course material to people so that they don't just become members for the duration of the course, but that they stay on as members indefinitely because they see the value of belonging to the organization that gives them so much um, tangible tools that they can use in their business. So that's from Spa Professionals uh, Guild point of view. Um, from the brand's point of view, we have a um, baby range that we've been trying to put to market for the last, I would say, two years. And we were on the verge of launching it at the beginning of the year. And it's quite strange. I, I, if I think back, I, I cannot actually remember what the one item was that stopped us from getting it launched in January. But by the time we started getting the ball rolling again in terms of, okay, let's put it into production, um, lockdown hit. So, um, you know, maybe it was a good thing because we might have launched it at the wrong time. So that, um, it's a tiny little collection. It's six different products only. And that um, will be out probably, I would say, by March next year to market. Um, and I think for now, um, you know, uh, like I said to you on my email, we have three um, spa projects starting up next year again, and they are all three of them are really big. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But I think that's like pretty much until I figure out uh, where the next gap is, I suppose that's, you know, that's uh, the way forward for me for the next at least 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I think you have got. Um, you're paid quite well. Yes. <laughs> so no pressure. That wasn't Ooh. a question that was meant to make you feel under no, pressure. No, no, it's not. It's just um, that when I think about what you said, I thought, oh, my hat, I haven't even got Spa Professionals Guild to a quarter. We literally haven't. I mean, we, we've uh, launched it uh, prematurely. Our goal was to launch it only in January next year. So what we would do yeah. is our plan for this year was putting course material together. And then one thing led to another with lockdown. And I thought, actually, you know what? We are doing this now because, I, you know, because we are. And I suppose it was the right time as well to capture um, a lot of the industry professionals because they started attend attending these coaching sessions that I was offering the industry free of charge. And, and that's really where I realized, oh, my word, these, these people are desperate for, for interaction. They're desperate for, for new systems and operations and things. So we have not actually put together yet all of the courses that, uh, that are on offer. Um, so that is a huge, huge task for us to get done over the next. And I reckon it's going to take us at least 12 months before our courses are all written and then comes the next thing which is upgrading because I cannot stand old material so I like to refresh it all the time yeah no that's that's awesome you you sound 
You are so inspirational. <laughs> you really you. are. No, you really, really are. And I think you have already had such a positive impact um, on the beauty industry overall, but especially in South Africa. Um, I feel, because I mean, I've been out of the country for the last five years, um, give or yes. take. And I, the beauty industry in the US, um, in Australia, in the UK, it's 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 got so much um, help. There's yes. so many people that are helping it. There's yes. so many coaches. Yes. There's, and then I come back to South Africa and I just, it's such a thriving industry, but there's so much opportunity yes. um, to, to help these beauty professionals, to inspire, to motivate, to give them ideas, you know, think out the box. Um, and I, that's where, where you, with what you've created, um, it is so needed. And if there's anything that I can do to help you drive more traffic or whatever, because I really believe in what yes. you're doing. Well, uh, I mean, I would love that. I would love for, um, so for me, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I love the word collaboration because I believe in it so much. And for me to, um, you know, I, I'm quite happy to, look at all avenues any and all avenues on getting more people on board because the bigger the the memberships the the better it is for everybody because um yes there is uh, you know there is course material there but we do two online coaching sessions every month and the more people that are on there the more interaction and sharing we also have a private uh, member only facebook group where all of our um, information and queries is fed through there. And it is amazing to see how the bigger the guild gets, the more ideas. It's, it really is unbelievable. And from different countries, people doing things in a different way. So for me, that's the yeah. goal really is to get priority, obviously, being South Africa, because that's where it's mostly needed right now. But the the... The more widespread we are in terms of memberships, the better it is even for us South Africans because we're getting exposure to, to best practices outside of this country. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's also something, a crucial part um, moving forward with everything that's happened this year is there's no time for competition anymore. We can't... Um, perceive things as competition correct it's it's actually about like you said collaborating and learning from each other yes um you know it's it's not about competing against each other it's it's rather moving forward with yeah, 100%. each other um i think that's yeah um and then the last question is if you could go back mm -hmm. in time with hindsight what would your advice be to your younger self um what it would be maybe maybe my advice to my younger self would be to perhaps have looked for and I don't know if it's the right advice or not but to perhaps have looked for investors that would have grown my business quicker than what I managed to because I really started it me, myself, and I, and no money. Um, it was just myself. And um, 
you know, like I was saying, I'm, I'm a big fan of collaboration and collaboration can also mean being open to, you know, to, to people investing in you as a person or in your business to get it um, to a place quicker than, you know, what you managed to get it to. Because I think that for me was my biggest struggle was coping financially and, um, and in, in the beginning, at least for the first five years, the struggles were like really real. And um, sure why, but I was never open to, well, let me go and try and find an investor or, so I don't know, I think that could be, maybe I would say to myself, you know, if I had it all over again, well, open up your mind a little bit. Don't be so closed-minded when it comes to, um, you know, people investing in your in your business. And I suppose it came from my dad because he didn't believe in partners. So I don't know. I don't know. That could be. Yeah. I, I think that's a great answer. I think that's about it. I mean, other than that, um, I don't know. I could tell myself when I was younger not to have been so reactive. That's changed as I'm growing up. Um, I was very reactive, didn't think before I spoke, the younger I was, but I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can advise somebody that's young not to do that, you know, it's something that you learn um, with yeah. maturity, I suppose. Yeah, um, well, thank you so much for, for all your, um, for, for just being you and being so authentic and for you know, if no one else has said it, but thank you so much for what you are doing and contributing to the beauty industry. It's a pleasure. Um, it's, it's really incredible. And um, yeah, so thank you for being on the episode oh, and mm -hmm. for, for being a part of Red Lips and Stilos. I love it. Thank you for having me. It's actually been quite something different for a change. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. My vision for Red Lips and Stilettos podcast is to empower our industry, inspire our professionals and be that hub for support. I hope you enjoy what I bring to the table and this little business is literally here for you. So any support, whether it be listening to the podcast, sharing the episodes, liking, following or telling a fellow colleague or friend to listen is highly appreciated. If this podcast is something that inspires you or sparks that inner flame in your belly, I would love you to join the conversation, become engaged, let this podcast re-inspire, motivate and connect you to the why you chose this industry. Every Friday morning, South African Standard Time, a new episode will be released. I look forward to our next episode, but that is it for now. Until next time, stay safe and more importantly, stay connected.